This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And this morning, we're talking about auto law. If you have questions about the laws concerning automobile insurance law in practice, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. If you can't get to the phone this morning, just send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll try to get it answered during the show, and you can listen to it later on the podcast, uh, or we'll also email the information to you. Good morning, Professor Gershon. How are you today? I'm doing great, Liz. Good morning to you, and I'm very excited to have David O'Donnell on the show today. Uh, He is uh, uh, well-known as a a very great litigator and uh, is an adjunct professor here at the law school. Uh, but uh, he has written a book, as you mentioned, called Mississippi Auto- Automobile Insurance Law and Practice. And that's going to be the focus of uh, his appearance today. And we're just really lucky to have him. We are excited. Uh, I don't, you know, looking at your uh, bio, your bio uh, product liability, business, public entity, civil rights, employment, insurance. I, I don't think there's anything you couldn't speak on as an expert. Well, that will be for uh, another show. I'll, I'll talk about a few of those other things. <laughs> well, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, this morning we are going to try to uh, corral the show to talk about uh, automobile uh, accidents, insurance, and, uh, you know, what's the, what's the very first thing uh, we need to know when we think about that topic? Well, I think the first thing you need to know is that uh, when you're when you're going to drive a car, you want to prepare for the unexpected, primarily. So, uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about minimizing risk of automobile accidents, and um, then talk about what do you do when you are involved in an accident as a driver or as a passenger. So, first things first would be uh, before an accident, you want to prepare for the unexpected. And what I mean by that is you want to make sure that you have with you while you're driving the things that you might need um, in the event that you are involved in an accident. So, for example, you want to keep your proof of insurance with you, which is required by Mississippi law, that you maintain proof of insurance that the vehicle that you're driving uh, is actually insured under an automobile insurance policy. Uh, you also want to have your registration with you, uh, roadside assistance information in the event that you need that. And it's also a good idea to have an emergency kit with you uh, that would contain things like a first aid kit, uh, road flares, or things that you might need in an emergency. Well, uh, I think we've 
got such a great topic. We already have our first call. Uh, we're going to go to Terry from Brandon, who's called in, and I'll remind all of our listeners we are going to talk about uh, preventive measures, what you, sh- what steps you should take, and also what the laws are uh, concerning uh, automobile accidents. But Terry, go ahead. We're glad you've called in. Well, Liz, I'm going to blow this topic up right off the bat. <laughs> uh, I uh, I don't have a question about auto accidents, and if I need to just wait until another attorney comes on, uh, it's more dealing with uh, our mortgage company. When we filed for bankruptcy almost 10 years ago, uh, we reaffirmed that debt, but yet they don't report the debt on any credit reports as our payments are being made, which we have an auto withdrawal. And they even refied our mortgage about five years ago, uh, but they're not reporting to any of the credit bureaus. And my question is, should I go back to the attorney that originally filed the bankruptcy uh, with us to find out what steps need to be taken, or do I need to call the mortgage company directly? Well, um, speaking as an attorney, I would say you need to speak to an attorney. So okay. that's, and I'll that's where you start. Back to the one that, uh, that actually did, she's still in practice. Yes, sir. That would be my uh, recommendation. Okay. Well, sorry I jumped off topic right off the bat, guys, but uh, I appreciate you taking my call. You're more than welcome. Well, we said you got to be ready for the unexpected, <laughs> and that was unexpected. All right. I. I I really do like the idea of uh, being prepared. The back of my minivan, I think I could open a shop up with all of the stuff that's back there. But it is good. Uh, I know my son, he got stopped at one point, and uh, he couldn't provide the proof of insurance because there were seven other expired proof of insurance and you know and owner's manuals and uh things so i think it is a uh we we later got the ticket removed because we were able to we did have the insurance but if you don't have it and uh in our experience if you can't whip that out immediately uh they're not too happy about that well there's some other ways that you can minimize your risk of uh an accident yeah, if we're going to talk about minimizing risk um, beyond preparing for the unexpected, uh, preparing for today's program, looking at the, the major risks that are out there for auto accidents, um, and I know you've had previous speakers talk about um, DUI uh, issues, et cetera, but uh, one of the major risks uh, that the National Safety Council is looking at is the use of cell phones while driving. Um, a lot of states have regulated um, whether or not a driver of an automobile, uh, while it's in operation, may use a cell phone, and, and, and if so, in what ways they may use cell phones. Um, but that is a major uh, source of automobile accidents uh, throughout the country. In a t- 2014 survey, the National Safety Council determined that approximately 25% of all auto accidents were caused by the use of cell phones, and in particular, texting while driving. So consequently, we have a lot of states, and Mississippi is one of them, that limits and prohibits the use of a a handheld cell phone device um, uh, in ways that, um, uh, for texting, for example. Um, So you may use your phone, for example, to receive and make phone calls. 
uh, on a handheld device, but um, using that to text or receive text messages, emails, or to access social media websites, social media uh, platforms, those are prohibited in Mississippi. Um, and again, because these statistics are bearing out that this concept of distracted driving when cell phones are the number one source of that um, is a major cause of accidents. So minimizing risk of an auto accident certainly includes uh, limiting your use of cell phones, certainly in appropriate ways, but avoiding using, using a cell phone as a driver um, while you're on the road. And with that texting, is that for everyone or was that just for teens? Well, um, a number of states have limited um, actually use of cell phones by teens across the board, whether it's uh, a uh, use of the cell phone to make or receive phone calls. Um, but when we're talking about text messaging, uh, including emailing, um, in Mississippi, um, all age groups are prohibited from doing that. Uh, and again, we're talking about drivers of automobiles. So passengers in the back seat, um, they're free to text uh, or, or to use their phones in, in all the ways that they're designed to be used. But uh, drivers, regardless of age in Mississippi, are prohibited from text messaging while driving. Well, I'm so glad you shared that information. Maybe we'll cause uh, someone to rethink that and save someone's life. Uh, we're going to go now to Rick in Grand Bay. Uh, he has a question. Thank you so much for calling in today, Rick. Yeah, thank you. I have a comment. I have my, my defensive driving. I'm I'm old school, and I, I grew up up north, and it was always ten ten miles an hour with a car length. I don't know where they ever come up with this two second rule. That scared the heck out of me. I drive a 1988 truck, pickup truck. It was designed to drive at 60 miles an hour. You know, I mean, efficiently, that's what I drive. So, but anyway, I had a, I had a problem where uh, I had to call my insurance company's uh, record service. And they have a third party that contacts a tow operator. Uh, my truck slid perpendicular into a ditch, and I had to get it out of a ditch. And when the record operator came out, I, I could see he was kind of inexperienced, and I told him there was only one place in my truck in the front. You could have gone to it, and there was a shackle hanging there. Well, he didn't listen to that. He grabbed out of you know, his hook under my my my, uh, my my tie rod, and uh, he tore up my uh, rack of pinion. So now I call my insurance company, even though they weren't uh, uh, doing it. You know, they didn't cover that to find out how to contact people that contacted person. So I can find out who the tow operator was. To this day, I still don't know who the tow operator was. But they kept me in this circle where the uh, the middle person wanted me to submit photographs and everything else. And I said, I don't see where you have any liability. I need to know who they are, who their insurance company is, because they're going to be the ones that's liable. Are you covering their liability insurance? And they kept me in this circle. To this day, it cost me a thousand dollars. They were fixed. And uh, what, uh, what what do I need to do in that kind of situation when I don't know? Uh, I mean, you're probably on a police board to tell me, but don't I have some kind of right to go after his insurance company and have his insurance company pay for the repair of this? Because there was nothing wrong with it steering until he improperly. Matter of fact, they called another record driver out because this guy couldn't get it out of the ditch. And so he went over there and talked to him. And he, uh, when he was behind, he parked behind my vehicle. 
he asked the other tow operator, well, uh, uh, you know, what was going on. And he came by and he said, I'll get you out. He thought, by the way, your rack convenience tore up. So, Rick, are you tr- are you asking uh, what remedy you have for when a someone else damages your car? How to contact their insurance company? Well, no, who would be liable? The middle person or the tow operator? All right, um, uh, David, do you have uh, any suggestion for Rick? Well, my suggestion would be to uh, to pursue the uh, the tow operator that uh, apparently damaged the vehicle. Uh, that's your that's your primary uh, recourse. Um, of course, there's always issues. As I understand your question, um, you were involved in an auto accident, and the the insurance company for the other driver uh, arranged for the roadside assistance. Is yeah, that right? Uh, roadside service. Yes. So it was the other. It was the so, other. I had, so I had my insurance company call out. They have a third party. State Farm has this company called a Giro. A Giro provides nationwide service for State Farm roadside assistance. They don't have the tow operators though. All they do is maintain a list, I guess, on a rotation basis, and they call the next one on rotation. But he never identified himself. Never gave me a card. Nothing. They told me, and I only was only like a thousand yards from the house, so he towed it to the house for me. But the one driver told me, he says, oh, by the way, you're racking me, Zora. The only way he could have known that was that that guy that tried to tow it, uh, tried to get it out of the ditch, he had to mess it up. Yeah, I think in that in that situation, that you're you're being provided a service through your insurance company and the roadside assistance um, benefit that they provide you. And I think in a, an entity that provides that service through your insurance company, uh, if they damage your vehicle, you may have recourse against the insurance company as as part of that service. So, in addition to the tow operator itself. Uh, I think that's something you need to raise with your insurance company as far as um, uh, repairs to your vehicle. Thank you, Rick. We appreciate you calling in. And if our listeners, if anyone has a question about uh, auto insurance liability, we're going to go through some of the steps to what to do when you have an accident. So when we come back from the break, we'll discuss. Uh, continue our discussion with attorney David O'Donnell and Professor Richard Gershon. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Now, not everyone has the chance to get to listen to our show live, so if you have to 
tur- if you're listening in the car and you have to step out or you're listening at home and you miss part of it, you can always listen to the show at mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. Usually about the afternoon of the day uh, a local show airs, you'll be able to hear it online. You'll also be able to get it as a podcast, and it's also available on the MPB Media app. I'm Liz Gill here today with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, and our guest today is attorney David O'Donnell. This morning we are talking about automobile accidents, automobile insurance. If you have a question on what the law is uh, concerning automobiles, the number to call is one 877 MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And I know Professor Gershon, you and I have uh, uh, young drivers in in our households, so uh, teaching them what to do in an accident is very important. It is, and you know, I'm not worried about her when she's in the household as when she's out on the road these days. But uh, and, you know, the truth is, I, I'm less worried about her because she's very careful than I am other drivers who are distracted. So, you know, as David was saying, I think you know, being defensive, looking, you know, ma- trying to uh, avoid the unexpected if you can, is important lesson for those young drivers. All right, and we did have an email uh, to summarize the email, um, David. It was about an individual who uh, his, the wife's car was hit, and she had uh, uh, medical issues from it. And she, her, their insurance company, won uh, a judgment. Uh, and I, I gave you the, the email. Can you summarize it a little bit and give the suggestion? Well, it's a rather it's a rather lengthy email, but uh, let me see. She says that uh, there was an injury resulting from the uh, a low speed accident in a parking lot, and see the insurance company won a judgment against the other company to recover some of the medical costs. Not sure which insurance company they're referring to. It might be the medical care provider. It might be the automobile insurance um, under their med pay provisions. Uh, that's possible. Um, so there's a judgment be- from one insurance company to the other. There had to be an assessment of fault in that accident against the other driver. Um, so trying to drive down to the ultimate issue here. Um, so I, I suppose I would take the question as one being uh, there was payment of benefits that was in compensation for medical costs uh, for injuries resulting from the accident. And there was some form of subrogation claim by their insurance company who paid those benefits against the other insurance company, the at-fault driver's uh, insurance company. Um, and there's a question about whether they have further legal rights to pursue a personal injury claim beyond the payment of benefits. And, yes, they do, generally speaking. Um, sometimes you get um, an issue with regard to uh, early settlement of claims. I want to talk about that a little bit later. But uh, provided that there is no uh, agreement on the front end to resolve a claim um, on the basis of benefits paid, 
Uh, I don't get that from this email, but if, if there is no such agreement, then they would be free to pursue a claim for personal injuries. All right. Well, and if you have an email question or a phone question, you can give us a call as Hal from Terry has. Our phone number is one 672 7464 Hal, we're glad you called in. For, uh, for taking my call. Uh, the question I have is, is there a, a, a time limit on when you can make a claim? Uh, for example, I hit a deer uh, about two months ago, and I didn't see any damage to the car initially. But after about two, three weeks, I started noticing stress fractures in the front bumper of my vehicle. Uh, is there, you know, like I said, sir, is there, is there a time limit on which I can make that claim? Or do I have to actually have a police report that says I hit an animal? Before well, I can claim it with my insurance. That's a great question. Uh, time frames generally in Mississippi, we talk about two different things when we talk about claims under an automobile insurance policy. One would be uh, the obligation to report an accident as soon as practicable under the uh, policy. So there's a need uh, for speed to report a claim to your insurance company so they have the ability to investigate the circumstances of an accident. Um, that is not a hard and fast rule as far as what notice as soon as practicable means, uh, but you must be diligent in, in making your claim and giving your insurance company notice of the circumstances of a claim potentially under the policy. Um, here would be a, a claim under your, uh, your collision comprehensive uh, parts of your automobile insurance policy. Ultimately, it would be a matter of uh, the statute of limitations in Mississippi, which is three years uh, to file a, a lawsuit. So if you're not happy with how the insurance company might resolve a claim for uh, insurance benefits, then you have the, the right to pursue a claim and litigate that in a court of law within three years of the, uh, of the happening of the, of the claim. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that. You're, you're welcome. Today, we're joined by David O'Donnell, uh, a attorney who's uh, helping us learn about Mississippi automobile insurance law and uh, practice. He's with Professor Richard Gershon. Our number to call with any questions is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 1- 877-672-7464. All right, so we're we're driving along, minding our own business, and uh, we have an accident. What's the very first thing we should keep in mind, David? Well, there's some practical uh, aspects of that to keep in mind, and then there are aspects relating to uh, your rights under your automobile insurance policy and, and the duties that... Uh, a driver has to fulfill in order to uh, to give notice of a claim uh, that I just mentioned with the previous caller. So number one, though, is safety first. So that's the practical uh, part of the practical aspects of being involved in an accident. Uh, when you're involved in an accident, and depending on the severity of the accident, um, it typically causes a lot of disorientation uh, with those involved. So it may cause you not to think clearly. Uh, and you may not fully appreciate um, uh, the safety uh, condition that your vehicle is in or the other vehicle is in or surrounding traffic uh, as it's passing by. Um, so you want to think safety first. So 
Uh, you want to try to move your vehicle to a, a safe place if you can. Um, Mississippi law generally encourages uh, drivers to move their vehicles out of uh, the uh, traffic lanes if possible, if reasonably possible, not a strict duty to do so. So you have to assess your situation and determine whether or not that's something uh, that's advisable. If you're dealing with a severe injury, uh, generally that's not, uh, or a significant amount of property damage, generally not um, an advisable thing to do. Generally, uh, it's better to stay in your vehicle. Um, uh, the other aspect of it is uh, checking on the other driver, uh, the other occupants. Um, uh, there's, there are some obligations under Mississippi law uh, as far as reporting accidents uh, to law enforcement and obligations to others involved in an accident uh, to determine their condition. Um, so there's an encouragement that one should make take some steps to determine um, the uh, injury status uh, of others that might be involved in an accident. Um, I'd say, number one, I think everybody knows this, but I'll, I'll repeat it and emphasize it, is that if you're involved in an accident uh, as a driver, uh, you must remain at the accident scene. There's, if you drive away, that gets in a whole different issue for you, and it uh, it's an issue that doesn't involve fault of an accident, but um, there are potentially some criminal uh, and, and civil liabilities there if you if you leave the scene of an accident. So stay with the accident scene um, and call the police, call 911 to report the accident. Let them know that um, um, that there there may be immobile vehicles or vehicles blocking the uh, the traffic lanes or that there may be injuries involved. Uh, but report the accident. This is all such fantastic information that uh, everyone who, who drives in Mississippi is going to need. So we're going to take a break. Uh, we've we've learned uh, about safety, be uh, moved to a safe place. Uh, then, um, you know, check for the other driver. Also call uh, the 911 if you need to. We're going to take a break. And then we're going to we've got some uh, phone calls from John in Hattie. Elijah and Brandon and Malcolm in Jackson. We're glad that you've called in to In Legal Terms. Uh, if uh, you, our rest of our listeners, have a question, you can give us a call at 1-877-672-7464. We've got attorney David O'Donnell, who's helping us out learn about uh, automobile insurance issues in Mississippi. You can also send an email to Legal Terms at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after this break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert, and we're joined by our guest attorney and also adjunct professor, David O'Donnell. And this morning, we're talking about automobile accidents and related automobile insurance issues in Mississippi. Uh, Our number is 1-877-672-7464, and we have quite a few questions to get to. We've talked a little bit about this morning about, uh, you know, being prepared for a... Uh, being prepared for an accident, uh, having your car ready uh, with your registration, your insurance, any roadside assistance, emergency kit. Uh, please don't use your cell phone. Uh, be careful with distracted driving. Do not text and be very careful with uh, talking. And then if you have an accident, uh, please be very safe notice your surroundings and we're going to go now to john in hattiesburg thanks for calling in john hi good morning and uh, i've got a a question perhaps uh, maybe just solicit a comment from uh, david what do you think of the million dollar advertising campaigns that certain attorneys launch every year soliciting anyone who's involved in almost any kind of an accident to call them one call that's all um and claiming they can get them more money than any insurance company can to me they make it appear that you're a fool if you don't go to an attorney for any kind of an accident at all and i think they're overdoing it um just when should you see an attorney or or contact an attorney for an accident That's a great question, and there is a point to be made there, aside from uh, the general issues of advertisement, which they're ethically um, um, permitted to do. That's not an issue, but uh, as far as um, um, dealing with an insurance company after an accident, um, if you're a driver or an occupant of a vehicle and um, or and you're the driver that's not at fault, and the other ins- uh, driver's insurance company is pressing you for a uh, settlement, early settlement. Uh, that's a common strategy, and oftentimes in those cases, especially if you're dealing with an injury um, and you're uncertain about the extent of an injury, uh, it um, it may not be a good time to to settle a case. It may be wise to wait. Uh, so there are a lot of um, Situations, a lot of fact um, variations that um, might suggest that an individual should speak to an attorney or wait on a settlement and not take the uh, the first offer from the uh, other driver's insurance company. How are these attorneys compensated when they when they get involved? What do they take a percentage of whatever settlement is um, is achieved? Yeah, generally speaking, they would run on a uh, contingency fee, but each each attorney and and their client are free to uh, to agree on whatever basis of the compensation would be. But generally, it is a contingency fee. Okay, thanks very much. I, I still think uh, some folks are overdoing it with the advertising. Thank you very much. Bye bye. You know, I don't disagree about the advertising, but they are under the First Amendment uh, allowed to advertise. Uh, bars, state bars used to prohibit lawyers from advertising. Even putting a, a line in the yellow pages was frowned upon. But, uh, you know, we ought to 
if we look at uh, out-of-control advertising, we might want to look at the drug companies as well and some other industries, too. So, you know, that's something that uh, people are free to do. All right, we have some more calls. Uh, This is a very interesting topic. If you have a question about automobile accidents and related automobile insurance issues in Mississippi, and you'd like to ask our guest, David O'Donnell, our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. And now we have Malcolm from Jackson on. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you doing? We're glad you called in this morning. Okay. Uh, the situation is um, in October, while working out on Lakeland Drive, a car ran into the back of my dump truck. Nobody got injured, but my truck was disabled for a month, waiting for the insurance company to get it fixed. After I got it fixed, they paid my towing bill. Paid for my repairs, got all of that. Is there a way that I can get them to pay me for the work that I missed while my truck was down? Well, that's that's going to be a matter of uh, proof, but yes, I mean there there can be consequential damages, um, loss of uh, business, um, loss of work. Uh, those are elements of damages um, that uh, one would be entitled to recover. Uh, in any in any lawsuit, so you just translate that into a claim um, against the responsible driver and, and to his insurance company, and that should be something that should be uh, considered and, and valued. Is this uh, David? Is this something where does requesting that the uh, his his losses be covered does that ever work or does it always need to have the steps of having uh, litigation yeah there's some aspects of claims that uh, insurance companies are, are set up to to value and to pay expeditiously other aspects like loss of business um, you know consequences of of damages to property and in this case you know a, a vehicle that's essential to the running of the business. Um, of course, you get into issues relating to the ability to, to mitigate um, uh, replacing the vehicle temporarily through a rental, etc. That would come up. But generally speaking, that's something that, uh, um, you know, if, if the request is not met, that's something that, uh, that can be, be pursued and it's something, it's something you need to talk to an attorney about. Okay, thanks. All right. Thank you for calling in today, Malcolm. Uh, we have uh, one more call before we take our break. Uh, we've got Ed from Brookhaven. Thanks for calling in today, Ed. Oh, yes, ma'am. Excuse me. Oh, uh, look. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting in front of thousands of volumes of state-of-the-art psychology and just on and on about the social world. Now, what I'm what I'm asking about, and I'm sure other people, because I talked to any number of, of responsible people that have the same type of interest. I don't know how many times I quit driving. I walk down and get a ride to the grocery store, and it saves a lot of money and so forth. But uh, am I wrong in saying that a person with totally dark tint on their windows, and I've seen them get out and get back in with a cell phone, and who knows what, I'm sure the police would give you some background on that, who knows what goes on in that vehicle, 
I've seen them. I walked right up the street. I go to do that little while. I got a cup of coffee. Who knows what is going on in that person's mind? I have had people stop in the middle of the street and demand, trying to do me a favor, demand I walk out in front of them with traffic coming. And I have witnesses for all this. See, <laughs> now is that an absurd mind or is that an irrational mind or? How, how is that accountable for? It just—it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make. Ed, sense is to your me. question uh, why people have dark tint on their cars? Well, I know why they do it. Well, they for a number of different reasons. They want to be in. They want to be cool. They want to protect themselves. But at the same time, they want to see everything that's going on around them. But the outside world, individuals or individuals in vehicles, they have no idea what that person with the dark tent is thinking. They have no idea. I've had people just almost run over me walking through a small parking lot. Okay, I I I I, I can uh, completely relate to Ed's Ed's question. Um, I also wonder why people will sell you things which are uh, seemingly illegal. When we still had the vehicle inspections, I went to somewhere and they measured the tent in my minivan and said they didn't want to give me an inspection sticker because it was too dark. But uh, that was just, you know, put up by the uh, the car dealer, uh, and I didn't have any say in it at all. So uh, there there are, all, in some, I guess sometimes also uh, laws change. Is that right? Sometimes laws change, yes. Um, I don't know if we're talking about tinting regulations. Uh, Yes, they're out there, but um, but I, I think uh, I think the caller's talking about um, um, conditions of vehicles, uh, tinting being one of them. For example, where you're not uh, a let's say a pedestrian's not able to make eye contact or or interact with the vehicle to determine what the vehicle is is going to be doing. That's that's a risk. Yeah, yeah. that's so. Um, I always have pause at a four-way stop when I know someone else has the right of way, but they're trying to wave me through. My suspicious mind thinks, well, but if I go, then if they hit me, it'll be my fault because I went out of turn. All right. Well, we're going to take our next break and continue our discussion about automobile accidents and related automobile insurance issues. And uh, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. If you have missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash terms. It's also available on the MPB Media app, as is all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here today with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And our guest today is attorney and adjunct professor David O'Donnell. Now, we did get an email. We only have a few minutes left. So if you've been waiting to call, uh, now's your chance to slip it in. We got an email. Uh, someone says, how do you entice the insurance company to pay diminished value on my Corvette? And I'm assuming he's saying Corvette because uh, that's a higher priced uh car and maybe it's a uh, a show car or something they are willing to do repairs and give a rental car during repairs diminished value claims are difficult to follow through what what is first off what is diminished value well i think he's suggesting that the uh, the cost the, that the actual repairs to the vehicle once made um, gives him a, a value to a vehicle which is less than prior to the accident so um that the, that the repairs won't restore the restore the vehicle to the fair market value as it as it was prior to the accident and is there uh, is there a right or ability to to press the insurance company to uh, to account for that loss in addition to the just the cost of the repairs um, that's a, a matter of uh, expert uh, testimony expert opinion it's that's um, obviously, the question suggests that the insurance company is not willing to engage in that kind of valuation in terms of of um, what might be uh, compensable. Uh, I don't know whether this is um, the car was involved in an accident where there was fault assessed against another driver or whether this is a, a collision claim. Um, but, yeah, that's it, it is a difficult um uh, point to press, um, a difficult loss to assess, um, but it just it depends on the uh, the circumstances and the the kind of expert proof that you have to back that claim up. So I guess with different insurance companies, it, it, it's all everything comes down to contract law, wouldn't you say? And and one contract with one insurance company may be different from a insurance with another company. I know one of them advertises. Like they'll give you if you wreck your car, they'll give you one model year newer. And I'm assuming if they're advertising that, other companies don't do that. Uh, that that's a good point. Um, when we get into cases involving total loss to vehicles, um, you know, we're, if if you're driving your vehicle and say that it's a vehicle that is you know four or five years old. You're involved in an accident, and the insurance company declares it a total loss, and that is that the uh, the fair market value of the vehicle um, is equal to or less than the cost of repairs to that vehicle. So at that point, the insurance company will declare it a total loss and pay you up to the fair market value of the vehicle as it existed at the time of the accident. And under Mississippi law, and it's a fairly recent law, um, 
that the insurance company then is entitled to a salvage title and they assume ownership of the vehicle at that point and um, there's no recourse at that so uh, they pay a total loss on a claim and um, even though that vehicle might have value to you it might be something that is actually still drivable um, if if the cost of repairs meter exceed that value then that that vehicle under under the law and under the typical insurance policy uh, will now be owned by the insurance company and uh, free uh, to do with as the insurance company sees fit. All right. Well, we've got our listeners are calling in. We've got another call uh, right now. It's Ryan from Gulfport. Thanks for calling in today, Ryan. Hey, how are you doing? We're glad. We're glad you've called in. Okay, look, I, I was just going to let the Corvette uh, owner know, just uh, kind of respond to his. I'm actually an attorney down the Gulf Coast and work for one of those evil advertising uh, attorneys that uh, one of your Hattiesburg callers didn't uh, appreciate. Uh, but just going to let him know that uh, it's something that uh, if it's his, his own insurance, some insurance policies actually prohibit the payment of diminishment of value or loss of value. Uh, but if it is a liability coverage, uh, then the easiest way for him to do that would simply be to get with whoever the dealership was that he purchased it from. If it's a newer one or if it's an older one, he could simply go to whoever has done the rest- restoration or something like that and have that, um, that dealer or the repairman or someone provide something in writing to him, kind of detailing exactly what the loss in value was. And that can be provided to the insurance company, and many instances can help him get the proper value on it. Now, if it's something that uh, they, they still won't uh, budge on it, then it may be time to contact an attorney. Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate you calling in. Not a problem. And uh, let's, let's call us know that those uh, evil advertising attorneys aren't necessarily so evil, that sometimes they're really trying to help people out. Yeah. Thanks. I agree. We train a lot of them, and we're real, real <laughs> proud of them. So, all right. So, uh, I think we're we're finished with our calls for uh, the show. Let's let's uh, make sure everyone is uh, familiar with what we need to do if there is an accident. You mentioned uh, first be safe. Uh, moving your vehicle, uh, making sure using the emergency kit. Um, uh, then also, uh, you c- shouldn't drive away. Call the police uh, to report uh, information. Uh, and what what kind of interaction should you take with the uh, if if there's another driver involved in your accident? Uh, great question, and that gets into a couple of issues. One is there's an obligation to exchange information with the other driver. Um, under Mississippi law. So there is that obligation. So there is some element of interaction there. But during the course of that interaction, uh, the general rule is, um, and it's virtually an absolute rule, is don't discuss fault during these uh, occasions. Uh, There's a time for that later when you talk to the police who investigates the accident and time to talk uh, as well with your insurance company. Uh, But refrain from talking fault. uh, with the other driver or the circumstances of the accident. Again, there's a time and place for that. Uh, reason why I say that is because what you say at the accident, uh, in the event that there is a lawsuit, for example, uh, can be repeated uh, and would be evidence of, of fault. 
so uh, refrain from doing that. Uh, the other is to take photos of the accident scene with your cell phone. The cell phone that I talked about earlier <laughs> uh, can come in handy. So take photos of, of your car, the other car, the general accident scene, uh, photos of license plates, for example. Um, Identify witnesses around the scene, occupants of your car, of course, but um, others who might have been standing uh, on the street corner, etc. Very important to get their identification information, including email addresses, uh, phone numbers, etc. Um, and then finally, contact your insurance company. Uh, whether you think it's totally the other driver's fault or not, um, again, you know, these circumstances of an accident might cause you to be somewhat disoriented. Uh, there may be things uh, that the other driver is saying about you that may or may not be true. So get your insurance company involved and let them start an investigation. One uh, topic that was uh, alluded to by our, uh, uh, I believe he said a dump truck driver, if someone hits you from behind, is it always their fault? Uh, not always. It's, of course, a very strong presumption if the following vehicle hits the other that uh, there is a fault. But, um, you know, that's every driver has an obligation to maintain control, maintain a lookout. Um, so the, uh, the, the uh, leading vehicle might, might have engaged in behavior that, uh, although may not be completely at fault, there might be a, a comparative fault assessment against the, uh, the lead driver. So not always an absolute that the, the following vehicle is the vehicle at fault. And I'll ask a personal question. If uh, there is a car accident and a police report is filed and neither driver is assigned 100% blame, uh, how does the insurance company divvy that up? Well, they'll, they'll have their own way of assessing fault. Uh, they're not tied to what the uh, accident report um, um, assesses in terms of fault. Um, so that's certainly evidence. They'll look at that um, and then make it an independent assessment about uh, the basis of that as of that determination and, and make their own decision. Oh, the insurance company. Well, thank you, David O'Donnell, for coming on to the show. That'll wrap us up for In Legal Terms. Our call screener today was Michelle McAdoo. Our board engineer in Jackson is Jay White. In Oxford, Tracy Daniel helps us out. For Professor Richard Gerson, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy Show, Relatively Speaking. Join us next Tuesday at 10 for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.